this I've taken as my life verse. This is the, whenever somebody comes to me for counsel, I always tell them that the priority of my life is to know God. And, you know, we come here, we pray for revival and we're praying for revival, but, you know, you know, the heart of revival, the absolute heart of revival is knowing God, not knowing about God, but knowing God himself. A.W. Tozer has this statement that I absolutely love. And the statement is, the world is not waiting for a new definition of the gospel. The world is waiting for a new demonstration of the gospel. And I think that's imperative for us as the believers. Uh, I think we need to be the kind of people that demonstrate that we know our God. There are many that fill the pews in the churches, many people who know about God. And you can know of the attributes of God, and you can know of the character of God, and you can know of his work in creation. You can know about the redemption of God, and yet still not come to that place where you can say experientially that you indeed know God. And I think that's a, a travesty in, the, in many churches today. That there, are, that there are many that would go about and talk about God, but they don't in actuality know God. And so I really believe that the heart of revival is the knowledge of God. It's that intimacy. It's that objective. Um, and that is the objective in everything we do in the church, that we may know God. Listen to some of the scriptures I I shared with you Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, and that's what I love the most. Let him who glories, let him who boasts, boast of this, that he knows and understands me. There is no greater, higher privilege for the believer. There is no, no higher station that we could arrive at spiritually than to know God. Psalm 46, 10 and 11 says this. I'm sure you know it. Cease striving and what? And know that I am God. You see, our peace comes from that relationship with him. Our peace comes from our ability to pursue him and to know the person of who God is. One of my favorite Psalms of all is Psalm 73. And Psalm 73, verses 25 to 28, the psalmist says this, after he surveys the world and he sees just, you know, he sees the wicked prospering and he sees everything going wrong and he finally stops. He says, until I came into the temple of the Lord, my reason returned. And in verse 25, he says this, <clears throat> whom have I in heaven but thee? And besides thee, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart might, may fail. But God, the person of God, God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. And over the last few months, myself, I have, I've gone through numerous trials, most recently with my house becoming infected with, with covid and one of the verses that the Lord, Lord continually ministered to me was Psalm 73, 28. 
But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. And I have made the Lord God my refuge. Oh, church, there's nothing more important. We pray for revival, not that we would have some temporal type of move, not that we would have a momentary ecstasy. We pray for revival so that the glory of God would fill his church again and that the glory of God would be in our bosom. As, as, as we're here right before we're celebrating the Lord's advent, it gets missed so easy. I told my church on Sunday in my message on Sunday, why do we exchange the glory, the wonder, the beauty of God for gifts and trinkets and momentary pleasures? Why do we do this? Why do we exchange it as such? is God is going to move upon his church as the spirit of God is going to be coming upon those that are praying for revival. It is the nearness of God that is going to be the, our strength. It is going to be the glory of Christ that's going to drive us. It is going to be the intimacy of the Holy Spirit that is going to embolden us to proclaim the excellencies, as Peter says, of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you really think about it, one of the great sins of the Pharisees was that they knew about God. They knew the law. I mean, my goodness, they were studious and zealous to the law. Even Paul says that before he came to Christ, how zealous he was for the law, how, how studious, how engaged they became around the word of God that they were given. But what's the rebuke? Although they had the head knowledge of God, their hearts were far from him. You know, we, we talk on, on this call, we talk a lot about, you know, some of the devastation that we're seeing in the world and and, and honestly, some of the devastation we're seeing in the churches. I just had a call this morning with somebody that said, well, you know, what if I don't find, if I go to all the churches in my, in my city and I don't find one that preaches the word of God, what do I do? And the answer is you widen your search, right? You go a little bit further. So we, we see this level of devastation, but our peace and our security, and our portion, it must come from God. You know, one of the things we hold to in our churches, in, 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 in our church in particular, is, is the five distinctions of the Reformation, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that the scripture is the only authority alone, but that God gets all the glory alone. And if we are going to be coming together as brothers and sisters across the globe, beseeching God for a mighty move of his spirit, then our hope has to be in him and in him, and him alone. The differential of God's people, the uniqueness of the believer is that the favor of God goes before us. Why? Because of the intimate knowledge 
of the Most High, not knowing about God, but knowing God. And that is the defining characteristic of a believer and the defining characteristic of a church. A person who walks with God will be distinguishable. Do we believe this? A Christian will be distinguishable from the world. And what is this distinguishing characteristic? That they know their God. And it is evident. It is evident in their countenance. It is evident in their speech. It is evident that when they speak the word of God, there is a boldness, there is an authority that comes from that. Think about what the Lord said in John 17, verses 19 through 23. I just want to read this for you real quick. 19 to 23. These are the words of our Lord in his high priestly prayer. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst sent me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. When you think about it, that amazing union that we have with Christ, we have with the Father because of Christ. And the hallmark and the characteristic of us would be that we would be men and women of God. Men and women that it's evident who we walk with. And I love that in verse 21 that he says that the world may believe that thou didst sent me. We get that glory. When we're walking with God, the glory goes back to Christ. The glory goes back to the Father, and it is just wonderful. Too many people who call themselves Christians know a lot about God, but don't know God. And I think part of the problem has been there's been an arrogance that has infiltrated the church And that arrogance says that once I have found Christ, that there's no longer need to pursue Christ. And yet Christ and the Father are the highest affections, the greatest glories that one can pursue. I tell my church time and time again, the proof of desire is in the pursuit. Don't tell me you love something if you don't pursue it, right? The proof of that desire is in the pursuit. Our Lord put it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Two of the strongest human physical reactions that we can have. And I think we as Christians, one of the blessings, man, one of the absolute blessings that I am deriving from these times of prayer is to be with others who are hungering and thirsting for God and hungering and thirsting for his glory to be made known in the world. J.I. Packer wrote this in his book, Knowing God. 
He says, we must learn to measure ourselves, not by our knowledge about God, not by our gifts and responsibilities in the church, but by how we pray and what goes on in our hearts. Many of us, I suspect, have no idea how impoverished we are at this level. Let us ask the Lord to show us. And I love this. He gives four characteristics, four characteristics of people who know their God. And he says this, number one, those who know their God have great energy for God. Those who know their God have great energy for God. Where their God is being defiled or disregarded, they cannot rest. But they feel they must do something about it. Oh, my goodness. All of this was brought together because Stephen, God had given Stephen the the urge inside of his heart to call together God's people. Because why? Because we were seeing things. He was seeing things. And simultaneously, some of us were seeing things that was causing our hearts to quake. This second characteristic, he says, is this. Those who know their God have great thoughts of God. Do we see a God who's sovereign over the affairs of men? Do we see a God who is sovereign over the affairs of nations? And do we still come in awe and wonder before our God? The third one is those who know their God show great boldness for God. And all who desire to please God take actions that are bold. Why? Because they rather be pleasing to God than the fear of man. And lastly, those who know their God, and this one I absolutely love, have great contentment in God. And he makes this statement, there is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with the full assurance that they have known God and God has known them and that this this relationship guarantees God's favor to them in life. So as we gather to come together to pray for revival, let us be sure to know that the very heart that fuels revival is the presence and the knowledge of God. And if we could be content in him, if our peace and our security is in him, then I submit to you that what the world has to throw at us, whether it be the most vile persecution or just this benign drifting and falling asleep, that we can have this absolute security in whom we have belief. God is glorious. God is great. And let us never, never, never lose focus of that. And let us have a passion that burns deep within our soul. That we are his and we are going to glorify him forever.